Michael prematurely turning my music off. Um, morning, everyone. Uh, we are actually going out live today, which is good, because last week we had a few gremlins, uh, so nobody saw it last week until a bit later in the day. Uh, we've killed that gremlin, uh, and we've also told off the man that forgot to tick the ticky box to make it work, uh, which was me. Um, welcome. It's great to have you here. It's great that we can meet in person. Uh, it's brilliant to see so many smiling faces behind the masks that I can't see you smiling, but I'm sure you are. Um, this is the third week of Advent, and we're going to start by lighting the third candle on our Advent wreath. Then we're going to move into a time of worship. We have two candles already lit. They represent hope and peace. Lighting a candle is a simple but profound act. It's testimony to the power of light over darkness. And as we light this third candle of Advent, we continue our journey into Christmas. Now, the third candle of Advent represents joy. And we light it as we anticipate the Christmas that's yet to come. And we do this to remember the joy of those that realized what was happening that first Christmas. The word had prophesied in Jeremiah that the young women will rejoice with dancing, while young and old men rejoice together. See, it was just the same back in those days. The ladies danced and the man stood around having a chat. He says, I will turn their mourning into joy. I'll give them consolation and bring happiness out of grief. You know, this week, some of us met on the parade as we remembered Pam. Um, Pam was a, a, a character that, that came and, and was a part of this church. Um, and Pam, as we know, died a couple of weeks ago. There wasn't the opportunity for us to attend the funeral, but a number of us met and remembered her, not as a sad occasion, but in joy. Joy because of who she was, joy because of what she did, and a joy because she knew her certain hope and where she was going to end up in her future. The joy of Christmas carries on through the Bible. Simeon and Anna, like many others, waited a long time for the coming of the Messiah. And they were filled with joy when they met the boy Jesus at the temple. John the Baptist was filled with joy about the Messiah coming even in the womb. In Luke 1.39 we read, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. 
but why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears and the baby in my womb leaped for joy, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promise to her. You know, some people need a helping hand to see what's happening around them. When Jesus was born, the angels declared it was a cause for great joy. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And scripture reminds us that true joy comes from knowing and trusting God. Romans tells us, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the true answer for hope, for peace, and for joy. So that's my prayer as we give worship today. My instruction is this, smile. My prayer is that as we worship, that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace. That you trust in him as we sing our worship and that the Holy Spirit will be here in power. join together in worship you can stand you can hum you can hold your hands out you can do what is right to worship and if you're at home you get to belt out a sing as well to hear from uh, the, that version of, of Silent Night, the, the real focus on, on the effects of Jesus' birth, that there is joy, that there is peace. Um, speaking of joy, peace and, and hope, uh, we've had a, a few books delivered. Um, we've had these before, um, the Who Do You Say I Am books, which are a, a lovely uh, full-colour uh, book uh, around the uh, historical and um, 
biblical nature of Jesus. Uh, there's a few of those if people want to take any, um, not to sit on your bookshelf, but to give to somebody that might appreciate them. And there's, there's also some uh, full-color mark gospels. Uh, they're really, uh, really nice. So they're at the front. But the one I want just to highlight is this one, which is the hope in uncertain times. Um, I think we all need that. Um, this is, it's very simple, it's very short, um, it just covers uh, some basics of the reason that we have hope. It says, cautious about, cautious, try, shall we try that again? Curious about Christianity, uh, reconnecting with the child of faith, remembering stories grandparents told you, reconsidering what you rejected in school assemblies or IRE lessons, exploring the faith a friend seems to rely on, then this book is for you. Um, it's, uh, it's got extracts from, from Bear Grylls and from Mary Berry. Uh, there's no recipes, so if you're looking for Mary Berry recipes, it's the wrong book. But it's, um, it's, it's good stuff. So uh, there's a few of those at the front. Uh, we've got quite a few of those. You can take those, so um, please do. It's great to see uh, Lewin back from university. He's, he's survived the north. Uh, <laughs> and come back uninfected, <laughs> so that's great. And um, there's other news in, in uh, the Maiden family as well. Um, some of you will know Ethan and Daisy. Uh, Ethan and Daisy got engaged, um, was it Friday night? So, it's, uh, um, which is great news, so uh, we, we, uh, we'll pray for them in a moment, but uh, we'll just, uh, in fact, no, we'll pray for them now. So, Father God, we, we, we know that you called us into relationship with you, but you called us into relationships with each other. You called us into fellowship with each other, and you called us to form relationships with that one special person as well. So we just pray a blessing on Daisy and on Ethan and on their house, and we pray that you'll be with them and that you'll seal that relationship together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Today is uh, about hope, um, and, and hope is one of those uh, uh, things that people think is for everybody else. Today is about joy, which is one of those things that you can see in other people and think I can never attain. But I want to talk to you about how God set some interesting precedents through the story of Christmas. The precedents that God sets through the story, not just of Christmas, but of the Bible, repeatedly show that he's for everyone. In fact, it repeatedly shows how he comes to the least likely people, displays his love, and brings them to a point where they do incredible tasks. Last week we looked at Mary, a girl of 13 or 14, who had never experienced motherhood and had no track record of bringing up a child, yet God entrusted her to look after the most precious baby in the world. Now, one of the reasons that God does this over and over again is because he never gets tired of receiving glory in situations that can only be attributed to him. 
He put he chooses situations where nobody can say, oh, they did that in their own strength. They did that because they were skilled. They did that because they were, they'd got a good family. Or they did that because they were rich. Or they did that because uh, they'd been off to, to, to this university and that university and they were well educated. God has a habit of picking the imperfect, the lacking, the weak, the underwhelming and the dependent people. The people that are dependent on him to do what only he can have them do because they follow his lead and they're obedient to him. And most of all, they make themselves available to God. The nativity story reveals two others that fit into this picture of unqualified, unskilled and seemingly misplaced people. But yet they're called by God to be a crucial part of God's plan for humanity. The first of these is Joseph, chosen by God to be the earthly father of Jesus. That certainly qualifies him as having some involvement in bringing glory to God. And while Joseph uniquely was chosen by God to give glory in that particular role, the kind of setup that Joseph found himself in is repeated through the Bible. See, God sets this precedent. It's a precedent where we see God using the imperfect people to execute his perfect plan. A plan that leads to glory to God. And if you don't believe me, then let's just flick through a few examples of God setting that precedent that leads to him getting the glory. Back in Genesis, in chapter 12, God calls Abraham to leave his country and follow him to a place where God would reveal, that God would reveal along the way. God would later change Abraham's name, sorry, change Abraham's name to Abraham. He may have been considered too old to follow God in such a task because he was 75 years old. Anybody 75? Anybody approaching 75? Get ready for your next God adventure because God has that habit. But God invited him into the opportunity. And yet it'd be another 25 years until God led him to the point where that opportunity started to come to fulfillment. It would be another 25 years until Abraham fulfilled the very start of the promise to be a father to the nations with the birth of one child. Doesn't matter how long we wait for God's promises, if God puts a promise in place, it will get there. It's just we're impatient. God set a precedent of using somebody that was unlikely to succeed to bring glory and to start the purpose of God's perfect plan. We read further on in Genesis, God uses another, Joseph, someone who went through hor horrible abuse, trafficking and injustice, but eventually was used by God to have influence and give leadership to a whole nation terrible season of life that included famine 
affecting God's people would be solved through Joseph being dependent, faithful, and open to being used in difficult circumstances. Joseph's background, Joseph's terrible circumstance of the past was turned around and he was brought to a place where he was both exalted but also giving glory to God. The whole book of Exodus is a story of God using a stutterer named Moses eventually to be the mouthpiece of God before Pharaoh who enslaved the people of God. God chose to use Moses in supernatural ways to share a supernatural message and led the Israelites out of Egypt through the wilderness and onto the doorstep of the promised land in Canaan. You know, sometimes we think, I can't do something because I don't have the skill. I can't, I can't deliver the message of God because I'm just rubbish with words. I get tongue-tied. I say Abraham when I mean Abraham, for those that didn't notice. But, you know, God can empower us in supernatural ways that we carry the message, that we live the life despite our natural flaws. In Joshua 2, God decided to get glory through a woman named Rahab, who was a prostitute. She was part of the plan to assist the Israelites in capturing the city of Jericho. And that was a major piece in God's people moving forward into the promised land. If you track back the, history, the lineage of Jesus, Rahab appears. No matter what we do for a living, God can turn our situations around. doesn't matter what we've had to do in the past to survive. God can use us to bring about his glory. You know, much of the Old Testament speaks of the echoes of the story of David. David was called a man after God's own heart. But he got it wrong so many times. Got embroiled in adultery with Bathsheba. Then he had her husband murdered because she, he found out she was pregnant. And yet the place that plays an integral part at the Christmas story is Bethlehem. Also known as the city of David. And it's through that lineage of King David that we'd one day be born in the city of David, a saviour, who is Jesus, who is Christ, who is the Lord. And when that, day came, when that day came, there was one man who God chose to be present at the birth of the newborn king. And that was not another king. It was not a leader. It was not the paparazzi. It was a simple carpenter called Joseph. Matthew's gospel describes Joseph as just as uh, sorry as a just man, but he was also just a man, and he had fears and second thoughts about continuing in the relationship that he was in with Mary. Finding out that your betrothed is pregnant and not by you can do that sort of thing to you. 
How can he possibly remain in a relationship like this? Who will ever believe a story like this about a girl like Mary and a bloke like him? I never asked for a marriage like this. What will everybody think of me, of us? How can I be who God wants me to be when so much of this situation makes so little sense on the surface? Before Joseph ever stood in the stable of Bethlehem, holding God in the flesh, after Mary gave birth to Jesus, God first had to convince Joseph that he could do this assignment, that he could be the next precedent in God's great story that would end up leading to more glory to God. And Matthew's gospel recounts the scene. It says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not have relations with her until... She gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Why would God decide to identify someone like Joseph to play the role of Jesus' earthly father? Because God sets precedence through the Bible that shows his consistency in choosing the least likely people to ultimately give great glory through the position he puts them in. Some of you will be thinking, I can't do these things. I can't, I can't speak to my neighbours about, about God. I can't live the way that, that God wants me to. I can't break this habit. I can't, I can't, um, I can't keep my language clean. I can't, um, I can't stop watching certain things on the television. I can't, um, I can't open my wallet and take money out of it and put it into to somebody else's hand that needs it because, well, I might need it in the future and I might have too much already, but I, you never know. Well, God is calling some of you to do some things and you're going, I can't do it because that's not my, my strength. God calls the unlikely to do the amazing. And the unlikely include me and you. You know, there's another group of, uh, it's, it's typical, you know, I keep looking back there to see what slide's on the screen, thinking one of the times the slide's going to match up with the one I want to talk about. And I wanted to talk about the shepherd, so I was really hoping when I looked around there, there'd be a shepherd up there, but there wasn't. 
and as if by magic, <laughs> the other group uh, of really unqualified people, misplaced people, or should I, were the shepherds. And I want to pick up on them next. And what better way to pick up on the, the shepherds part in this than revisiting the nativity play we saw last week and finding out about the shepherds. I am the longest running cast member of the Nativity Ensemble of our church. Well, I don't like to mention it, but I am a formally trained prodigy of the theater arts. Having Dan as part of our cast is fantastic. Lord, I am surely blessed beyond measure. Okay, uh, okay, good. Uh, let's, uh, let's just, let's do it again. But this time with more motion, okay? Hey, I want you to Meryl Streep this up, okay? You got it. Dan thinks he's helping, but all he does is compare everything to Meryl Streep. Tony, I need you to channel your inner Meryl. My dear Mary, stop. It is... Just, I need to Meryl this over for a minute. Oh. This is no way to treat your actors. Meryl would have seen this and walked immediately. Really, Dan? Because this potato salad looks so Meryl right now. Suddenly, the most splendiferous heavenly being appeared to my cohorts and me. Stick to the script, please. Okay, Joel, it's called the glory of Christmas. I think the shepherds deserve a little more poetic language, don't you think? It's the Bible, Dan. God may beg to differ with you. By day, I make a living as an accountant, but a dedicated one. But a dedicated actor must lose themselves and fully become the character. Do you have any questions for me at all? Uh, what's that smell? Green pastures. Green pastures, Annette. I am so method. I haven't bathed in a month. You really need to take a bath. I can't. These shepherds were society's misfits. You know, they were, sure, transfixed by um, a, a choir of angels, but also amazed that God had chosen them. They were the scrawny kid in P.E. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the nerd who went alone to the prom. Yeah, they were, um, they were the glee club president. Twice. Yeah. They were the least of these. Ask me to be the keeper of the most important message that's ever been kept. To tell everyone that he sent the greatest gift ever, the Prince of Peace. The lowest in the land is given the highest honor. 
What's that smell? God's gift is for everyone, no matter who you are. doesn't matter where you're from, what you look like, or even, in his case, what you smell like. The baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem and was the saviour of the world intended for all people. God's planned target of salvation through, the, through his son is the most amazing gift meant for everybody, everywhere. We can look again at the clear message the angel of the Lord entrusted to the shepherds that first Christmas night. While they were out in their fields, Luke 2 tells it this way. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Saviour was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped tightly in clothing and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favours. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. When it says all, it means everyone. The whole Christmas story is that God's intention was that nobody gets left out. Every person created in the image of God was, is, and forever will be a person God desires for Jesus to save. doesn't matter where they're from, what they look like, what they do, what clothes they wear, or even how they smell. God sent Jesus to be the saviour born to rescue everyone. While the shepherds were in the fields, they were chosen to begin sharing the message that was entrusted to them. God's intention was for them to be the first of many to receive that good news about Christmas. The first of many to say that everyone can be saved. And this is where the joy comes from. See, the story for the unqualified, the poor, the rich, the educated, the abused, the used, and those that hate the way they live, those who have everything and those that have nothing, those that have everything 
and sometimes lack something. Black, white, straight, gay, those that know the Bible inside out, those that have never even opened the cover, and only ever used the word Jesus as an expletive, are all included in that list that makes up every, all. It doesn't matter whether they've lived a good life or those that have done unspeakable things. The joy that is bound up in this story is that this story is about being saved, set free, restored, and applies to everyone. It says in John 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, and whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You know, it didn't matter what that shepherd, um, didn't matter what that shepherd smelled like, it didn't matter that he was on the fringes of society. It didn't matter that people looked down on the shepherds and didn't want to associate with them. God wanted to. God wanted to bring them into the all that is all humankind. You know, around us in the world, even in this room, there are people that don't feel included. There are people that want to be, want to be loved, want to be accepted for who they are. And God does that. The challenge is sometimes God's people don't. The word says all. All people. So likely lads in the case, unlikely lads in the case of the shepherds that were part of the start of the changing of the plan. The line the shepherd said in the video was poignant. He said, God asked me to be the keeper of the most important message that's ever been kept. And that was certainly a responsibility. The initial, initial sharing of that message was with the shepherds. It was the first link in a chain of global communication. But in one of the final moments on earth before Jesus ascends back to the Father in heaven, Jesus took that same commission and expanded it to all. We can read and it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The phrase all nations in verse 19 uh, are the words panta to ethne. It's where we get the word ethnicity in English. This is the part of the story of God and the story of Christmas part of the story that's always been the, the centre of God's heart is all people, all ethnicities, all nations, all shapes, all sizes, all colours, 
this is the message that we, that you, are entrusted to keep and to say. The story of Christmas is entrusted to the first century shepherds and the 21st century actors, pensioners, workers, learners, to all. All that know him are entrusted with this message and are to be compelled by his love to share that story to everybody, to all that are deserving of hearing the good news and, and making it understandable and clear. To all that are deserving of hearing the good news. That's a hard decision. How are you going to decide who's deserving to hear the good news? Because you do it every day. Every day you go about your lives, you either choose to... to Act out the life that you're called to live. You'll either cheat or not. You choose to speak about the source of your hope or not. You choose to pass out one of those booklets or not. That's a hard decision, but you make it every day. Can I tell you that? That's not really your choice. Because those that are deserving to hear this message are those that fall under the umbrella of the word all. All humanity. You know, each of you have been identified by God to be saved. Some of you may not quite have grasped that yet. You may still be sitting in the I'm the too smelly camp. Or I'm in, the, I'm in the camp where I've done it wrong before. Or I've tried that and it didn't work out and I can't come back camp. All of you fit under the term all. God's desire is for all to be saved. Some of you know him and some of you have been um, identified by God to be the only person in your unique set of circumstances with your unique background to allow you to convey that message in a way that somebody that identifies with you can understand. You may feel radically unqualified to do that. But as we heard in Joseph, God regularly uses those who find themselves in less than ideal situations to bring him the greatest glory. time you started to recognize that you are uniquely positioned to step into the moment of time this Christmas that will never happen again with the people that you may never see again with the people that, that have been placed into encounter you by God in his desire for them to be saved this is the joy at Christmas that we are not observing it that we're not just celebrating something that comes around every year, but we are integral to the story because for somebody, for some life, you are the person that reveals the message
but leads them to know joy and peace and hope that is Jesus. And that's where I'm going to finish. That God wants to use your life and your circumstances to bring him glory this Christmas. In the shepherd's story, they realized the gravity of the news they'd been given to share. And they rushed to tell. In Joseph's case, the scripture says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. The question for you is how are you going to respond? If you don't know God, if you don't know this hope that is Jesus, then, then your response needs to revolve around accepting him. Accepting it doesn't matter what you've done, who you were, what color you are, whatever. Whatever your background. God sent his only son to die for you. If you do know God, then what's your response going to be? Is it going to be to sit back and enjoy Christmas? Or is it going to be to take that message entrusted to you and spread that word, see lives changed, and see God get the glory? Let's pray. Lord, you know each of our hearts, you know each of our circumstances, you know our minds and our thoughts, you know our doubts and our objections. We ask that you, Holy Spirit, just give us clarity. You draw close to us. You let us know your presence. Lord, where some of us are sitting on the fence, Lord, we ask that you, you give, us the, give us the nudge that we need to know that you are there, to know that you are real, to know that you love us. And Lord, to those that, that, of us that, that, are, that know you but aren't living you out fully, we ask that you give us the strength and you give us that prod, Lord, to, to live the life that you've called us to. And Lord, this Christmas, we pray that we can speak of you, that we can speak of hope, that we can speak of love, that we can speak of joy. And Lord, we want to give you glory. Jesus' name. Amen. We have a uh, service next week uh, on the 20th. Um, and then on Christmas Day, um, we uh, will have a service here. It will be for approximately half an hour. Um, it will be... Um, will be as close to a Christmas Day service as we can possibly get it within the restrictions. But it would be good to come and celebrate the birth of, 
uh, of Jesus on that day, it would be good to come and see each other, no matter how socially distanced we are. Um, Christmas Day services at the Vine are generally relaxed. I'm just looking at the maidens just because it scares me how relaxed sometimes it is. <laughs> uh, for anybody that isn't aware of this, um, you may just need to help me out, but I, I believe so far it's been uh, aprons, dinner suits, beachwear, pajamas, uh, lederhosen. I'm sure there was somebody in lederhosen one year. <laughs> Um, it, um, it sounds, it sounds silly. It was a bit of fun. It came about by when Veronica was pastor here. She said, uh, she said one day, come along on Christmas day. It'd be good for you. We don't care if you arrived in your pajamas. So some of us did. Um, so it, it, it's a non-serious time and it is a serious time. It's non-serious in the way we interact together, but it is serious because we come to recognize the birth of our Saviour. If you can join us that day, we will need some numbers up front just so that we can uh, set the chairs out. Um, but we, we, will, we will get you in regardless. Um, even if that means some of you sitting in the children's library, some of you in the kitchen, and if you're really late arriving, you get the ladies' loo. Okay? But we, we'll do that. It would be good to join together. We've got prayer tonight. Uh, we've got um, our midweek group is going to be um, be a, a bit of a social event on Zoom. I'll, I'll push some things out over the next few days on that. Um, we are in tier three. Um, we can't socialize. That's the one thing we can't do. So do make sure you say goodbye to somebody. Give them a smile. Pick a book up on your way out. There is an offering basket, which I've forgotten every week so far. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then. I just pray that you will know God in every moment of the day, that as you walk out from this place, you will know that God goes with you and his presence will be tangible through this week. In Jesus' name, amen.